Model's perspective, this is Model Light with Melissa and Lila, a podcast dedicated to shining a light on all parts of the beauty, modeling, and fashion industry. If you feel like that's why you can't work with black people or people of color, there's something wrong with your brand message. Hi guys, welcome back to Model Light. Yeah. We're here today to have this conversation and give our take on what's been going on for us personally, but also what we feel and think about this movement. Um, I'm going to just start off by saying Black Lives Matter. We didn't want to put anything out that could take away from this movement because I know you and I both feel this is incredibly important and so, so powerful. I mean, it's it's really emotional. I've actually been kind of going in and out of the feeling of heartbreak with the stories that I've been hearing and kind of experiencing, both stories from the past that were never really told in complete truth before now and yeah. stories that are still happening today. Mind-blowing to me. Also taking that time to really turn inward and push past ego and opinion, it's hard. I came across a quote the other day, and forgive me if I don't say it word for word correctly, but it basically said, opinions don't require any true accountability or true understanding. Empathy, however requires you to step into another's world, into another's life, and yeah. to, to feel with them. And maybe you can't understand 100%, but you can seek to understand on a deep level. And when you do that, yeah. you will be emotionally affected. I mean, I'm ashamed to say that I didn't really know a lot about Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter before um, this, before it started back up again during the pandemic. Like, I'm ashamed to say that it took me this long to actually um, educate myself on what's going on as a person of color, <laughs> you know? It's, um, it's right. been really interesting. First time I've ever heard anything Black Lives Matter or anything police brutality was uh, when the video of uh, Philandro Castile surfaced and um, basically the guy who was shot um, in front of his girlfriend and his um, child while it was happening on a Facebook Live. I didn't connect that to race, Mm, right? So, like, this is how ignorant I was. I didn't realize that this is something that has been happening to black people all this time and there has been no justice down for it real I had no idea like I did not connect the two things um and so I've obviously been super involved with the movement I'm in New York City um ever since the death of George Floyd there have been protests every single day uh going on multiple times a day um when it first started, 
it was really scary. I was really scared to go on a protest because of uh, the riots and everything that had happened and um, stuff like that. But uh, the ones that I've been on were super peaceful, mm-hmm. um, have been very powerful to be in, in a crowd of people that are supporting um, this and that are, um, you know, understanding that this is really and truly not about being Republican or Democrat or, you know, black or non-black, it's about, it's, it's humanitarian issue. Yeah. It's, it's, this is, you know, this is about, there's, there's some injustice being done to a certain group of people and it's uh, completely unfair. Like life is already unfair yeah. enough for all of us. Yeah. Right. But for it to then have this, um, domino effect into our generation is just mind boggling to me. So I have been very involved. I've been trying to to do the most that I could mentally handle to do. Um, I did break down a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just, there was only so much that I could take. And I'm just a bystander here watching this. And this is how I feel. How does it feel for someone who's actually in it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how, how do you feel like... I get that like feeling of of disgust. Yes, I get this like thing like in my like throat choking, where I just right? Feel like yeah, yeah. Same. It's it's like a horrible. It's like I I mean, it's just a it's just a, a horrible thing. This movement has also showed me that I have had that I've had biases. Um, it has been interesting to look yourself in the mirror and recognize that this is something, this is a decision that you're no longer making. This is a decision that somebody made back in the day and it trickled down into our everyday life and it made you all of a sudden see this thing without even ever realizing that you've made that decision. Like complete, you know, yeah, just completely saying? oblivious and a, a taught way of life that, um, that, yeah, like that you're unaware of. You're not, a, you know, you're mm-hmm. not aware of, you're, you can't be aware of things that you haven't been shown, that you haven't had your eyes open to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it made me think about our industry, you know, mm-hmm. and I thought that what a way um, to do none other than actually put out an episode and talk about what we've, you know, experienced. Mm-hmm. And I think it's wonderful that I'm a person of color and that you're not and that we can have this conversation on here because I think it will um, maybe also bring some people together and make them understand that this is not about what you look like. This is about justice. Yeah. And so for me personally, I think I want to start off by saying that when I started modeling, I was about 19 years old, and I had no idea what the modeling world would be like I, I didn't understand marketing I didn't understand that people would pick certain people because they felt like in order for their brand to stand out to to certain buyers they have to put this person in front of them um, and in the same breath I want to say that I have been to castings where everybody has been cast uh, where it didn't matter which um uh, ethnicity you were or where you're from or whatever it didn't matter everybody got cast and one person got the role and it didn't matter I've gotten jobs like that so for me personally I when I started out I didn't really make that much money um, and I think anybody when they start out don't yeah, really make that it was much like five money. years for me <laughs> not just 
Yeah, exactly, same. Not just, um, not just myself, um, but I think that there was a deficit for sure if I compare myself to my non-black friends or non-people of color. So like the girls that I was working with in Los Angeles, for instance, that I constantly saw on castings and things like that, and um, that I hung out with every now and again were Caucasian girls. They were blonde, blue eyes, beautiful girls. And they did get a lot more jobs than, than I did back then. And I never thought to myself, you know, I, I never like looked at it and said, oh, it's because I'm a person of color. It's because I'm not white. I was, I was constantly comparing myself to them and I never like realized that you know, that would even be a factor. So you, you were comparing yourself to white models, mm-hmm. but that were getting, that were more, getting gigs. more gigs, but not having an awareness or a realization that your skin color could be part of that factor. No. Oh my God. Mm-mm. Yeah. So what, yeah. what was it that you were comparing? I mean, did you think they were taller, prettier, skinnier, like the basics? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like the model yeah. stuff, you know, it's like the stuff that goes on in your head. Um, but I mean, I know you had to be on photo shoots because I mean, I've been doing this for <laughs> two decades and every photo shoot was, you know, three white girls, ethnically ambiguous was, was what we would see most of the time. And then maybe exactly. we'd have like an Asian girl or, um, yeah. or another, Bra- like a Brazilian or something to that effect. Yeah. Variety yeah. pack. I, I call that the variety pack. Um, yeah. So I was so oblivious to all hmm. of this. Like, you have no idea how oblivious and ignorant I was to this. I mean, I, I like, didn't know. Like, I, I just start, I'm just starting to realize and learn what's going on in the world. I've tried to stand for justice and um, in, in whatever ways that I have been doing it. And it's been really good for me, but it's also been really hard. Yeah. And when I say hard, it's like I'm not talking about like the actual just stance that I'm taking. I'm, I'm talking about the mental side of things. It's traumatizing. It's sad. When you're reading that stuff every day, you get really sad. It's, it's heartbreaking. And it affects you, you know, no matter how you want to frame it, it's going to affect mm-hmm. you. I've, I've been around, I mean, even in the past, I've been around a lot of conversations where people have said things. And I thought to myself, okay... That kind of sounds racist, but they probably don't mean it. They probably yeah, you don't give know. them They're the benefit like, of the yeah. doubt. Yeah, yeah. So I so I don't even like go in. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, no. If people are dying um, because of this very issue, we're gonna have to do something about it. And if that means that you have to stop that conversation mm-hmm. and just say, hey, you know, I I realize that you're probably not a racist person, but what you just said will come out that way. And it's something that you need to look into. How, why do you feel this way? And that's the, that's the really, that's the least that we yeah, can or, do. Yeah, uh, or, you know. That's the least that we can do. <clears throat> yeah, and exactly. And, and even just sharing how something affects you personally um, and coming from a place of I statements is um, kind of non-accusatory, non-finger-pointing, but at least starts that conversation I mean it's very difficult to have this type of conversation and I realize this and it's not that I didn't want to have it before I think I'm just more than ever realizing how important it is to always have the conversation when the opportunity presents itself because if you don't it's as if you have given permission to something to be said 
and it will trickle down into someone else's lives and cause injustice. And that's the problem. We have to have these conversations. It's almost like turning the blind eye. Um, my meditation teacher, I've been um, kind of following her and working with her a lot to kind of help me just really attached to what's going on inside of myself and to have that empathy for others. One of the things she keeps teaching us is you have to feel it to heal it. You have to like, you have to have those uncomfortable conversations and those, um, hear those painful stories and you have to really have those experiences and those connections with other people and feel it so that we can actually heal these issues and make real dynamic change you, you have to feel the pain to be able to address mm -hmm. it and to be able to fix it to be able to find a solution so yeah these conversations are going to be uncomfortable but I think it's important for everybody even if you're listening and you have conversations that are going on behind closed doors that you would be ashamed to admit to in in your real life it's time for you to have a conversation um, and you can have that with us we uh, um you know that's part of what this podcast is is for us to be there with you and for you and it doesn't always yeah. have to just be about modeling i mean in our industry the fact that we are the faces of brands and on billboards and commercials and in people's television or in their televisions in their living rooms uh in their magazines we're in their damn bathrooms for god's sake we have a lot on our shoulders and the things that we say and do and feel in public get amplified. I mean, maybe we're not celebrities, but some of us are. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but what you say and do um, has a bigger impact in the public eye. I don't want anyone to feel like they can't connect um, or talk with us about anything. Because that's, I mean, that's why we started this. That's what we're here for. And we're here to have those Absolutely. And no judgment. Like, we come from a place of peaceful unity. I mean, if Absolutely. you want to call, like, send us an email yelling about your feelings, like, bring it on. We're here for you. Anyways, I just wanted to say that because yeah. I know that this could feel very lonely, especially for those people that are looking inward and feeling like how you felt when this started, that, that feeling of shame. Yeah. I think for me it was like, it was shame, confusion, it was like questioning uh, reality, <laughs> you know, like questioning like what is going on, um, questioning my purpose in life, <laughs> yeah. like it was, it, was a, it was a lot, you know. The most important thing that we can do, and it's really and truly the least that we can do is have those conversations. I just want to put that out there. And... If you don't know what to say to people, if you don't know how to have these conversations, um, there are so many resources out there. I mean, all you have to really do is just um, get online and you're f two steps away from a full-on list mm -hmm. of, of things that, of, of how to have conversations and how to understand what's going on in the world. So I think it's important to do that. We were actually talking um, a couple weeks ago, and, and you were um, telling me a story about your experience with hair and makeup artists. And, yeah. um, and like even just bringing it up now, I'm starting to get goosebumps again, because really, that's not something I 
personally had ever had to experience myself. And I'm kind of, you know, I I had been in those positions with other models and been like, God, that's mean. But not saying or doing anything about it. Not even, like, like you said, like kind of almost being oblivious, but... Anyways, I wanted um, I wanted you to share that story with our listeners because I think it's really important. Yeah, so I have naturally curly hair and which is um, gorgeous. Hairstylists, <laughs> thank you. But some hairstylists don't really know how to. Not some, like majority of hairstylists that I've worked with, don't really know how to work with curly hair. And um, I have been in situations where I would go to set walking into set with my curly hair super excited about the job but super nervous because I know I already knew that a lot of makeup uh, sorry a lot of hairstylists don't know how to work with curly hair and I've had situations where um, they would get mad at me so like I would have these like hairstylists that would literally be upset about the fact that I would be in their chair and they're mad at they're mad at you. I I mean, and yeah. that that is freaking and, and crazy it's not to like, me. It's not even it's not even like they're saying anything, Melissa. The energy. It's not even like they're coming up to me. Yeah, it's not even like they're coming up to me and saying, "Hey, I don't," you know, like I I why are you here? <laughs> like it's not even. Like it's that. not like radiating it's more, like frustration. It's, yeah. Right. It's exactly. It's like I feel that. Yeah. I feel that stuff, and I would be sitting in these hair chairs as a model we already have so many things to tackle Mm. mentally like we have so many things to tackle we're worried about the clothing fitting going to a photo shoot or fitting or whatever we're worried about stuff fitting we're worried about um am I going to be the right type is the client going to like me or you know we're worried about so many things but when you add something that you're basically born with um and you bring that to a photo shoot and you know exactly. And I would say eight out of ten times I would go and work with a hairstylist. They would not know what to do with my hair and they would get upset. And then they would, the client would complain about how they did my hair. So like the client would be like, um, yeah, I don't, we don't really like that. Can we change it? Can we like do it? And then the, the hairstylist will go, well, that it's her hair. I can't really oh, like. It's just oh her hair. God. Like, there's nothing I can do about yeah. it. And so, and then, and that every single time I've had a situation like that, I've wanted to basically just like I would just go red, and and I would you know feel so ashamed and start sweating and and literally just stand there and like want to cry. I've had so many experiences like that. It's crazy. Even just like doing runway. One of the most memorable uh, experiences I've had with a hairstylist was at a runway show in SF. It was like a super, super giant designer. I was super excited to be on that show. And I would sit there and going to a runway show, you always want to get your hair and makeup done quick. Yeah. You want to be like the first in yeah. the seat. Like you don't want to be waiting for 500 people to be in front of you because it means your freedom is gone. <laughs> you know, it's like if you get your hair and makeup done, you're free. <laughs> But um, if you don't, you're sitting there waiting for, you know, this chair to become empty so that you could sit. Melissa, I would sit there and I would be next in line for hair. And all I wanted was to just go and get it done. And it wasn't like a ridiculous hair job. It was literally just a little bun, like with a little, uh, some sort of like a curl in the front, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. 
it was insane because this woman would just be like, no, I'm going to do her and then her and then I'm going to do you. And literally there was no reason for her like those girls like had just appeared and then she would be like no I'll do her and her why do you think you think it was because the other two were easy get them done and out of the way and then then can really like muscle through no she was hoping that I would get on someone else's hair see I'm still so freaking oblivious like I'm sitting here like okay well maybe her strategy was to get the easy girls out of the way which is still (laughs) wrong but but it shouldn't and that's the other thing it's like what makes what makes it easy it makes it easy because she knows how to do she has more experience in doing that hair because she's familiar with it Mm. right but then when it I I feel like the best hairstylist that I've and also I you know shout out to like the best hairstylists in the world the best hairstylist that I've ever worked with they had my hair done in five minutes Mm. Melissa and let me tell you they knew exactly what to do it wasn't about oh I've got a I've got to perm this and straighten this. No, this is the look that I'm going to achieve, and it's going to look. Good. That's a true artist and that really understands, yeah. uh, you know, how to how to even, paint on any canvas. Even when I did my um, when I did my uh, campaign recently, my hairstylist was amazing. He had my hair done in like ten minutes. He put a durac on my head. I was like, "This guy knows what oh he's doing," God. and he was Jap- he and he was from. Japan. You know, I kind of. I was like, "This guy." I was like, "This guy knows exactly <laughs> what he's doing." I love this guy. I was like, "Okay, you. I need. I need your information for like whatever is coming up next." I would love to interview a hair and makeup artist about yes. this uh, in particular because I know that we get call sheets that ask for specific things. Right for mine, I get. Five eight, five nine, or taller. Light eyes. It usually says light eyes, even though mine are like a dark green. Brunette, whatever. Like they give you the parameters that the client is looking for. I'm wondering. I'm I'm really curious to know if client sheets go out when now, at least now, when clients know that they're working with a person of color. The client sheet goes out to these talent agencies, artist agencies, looking for artists who know how I don't think it's a thing that is um that has been conversed like I, I don't think it, it I, I don't think that we've had enough conversations about this to make it a thing because I think it's it's slipping through the cracks like I think the hair thing has been slipping through the cracks forever I have had shoots where I had to show up and I would be so nervous because I'd be so worried that this person didn't know what they were doing with my hair. I would email the client the day before and say, "Would you like me to come in with my hair blown out? Would you like me to I was going to ask what are you? I was going to ask you yeah, about always. prep like if you were ever told to prep or if you took the initiative or kind of how that I always I have always emailed like if I knew I had a job, I didn't even like if I knew I had a job, I didn't even talk to my agency about it. I emailed the client because, you know, you get the mm-hmm. call sheet, everybody's email. I would email the client and then I would say, hey, this is Lila. I'm supposed to be coming in tomorrow. I have nat- naturally curly hair. I'm wondering, would you like me to straighten it? Would you like me to uh, blow it out for the hairstylist? Another thing that I shouldn't be having to Absolutely. do. I shouldn't be having to do that. I shouldn't be having to wake up in the morning and sit there for an hour and blow dry my hair and I don't know what the conditions are outside, you mm-hmm. know, by the time I get to the shoot, who knows what's going to happen to my hair. So, 
the thing with like for me personally I just don't think it's it's fair in that way it's like if the hairstylist doesn't know how to do this um they're not a hairstylist right if they if they don't know how to blow out your hair if they don't know how to like straighten your hair it's not a hairstylist I would email them these things because I knew that I would get there and these people just like did, would not know. And that's after what they and that's do. after multiple experiences that you've exactly. had to endure to to bring you yeah. to this place of like having to make a um a move ahead of time out of and and what really yeah. sucks is that that move is coming from a place of fear. A a fear yeah. to go to work. Yeah. Nobody should feel Ever. that way. Nobody should feel that way. You have to think about it this way, right? If we've had, if, if let's say the curly hair was the norm, right? Like if curly hair was the actual normal thing in the world, how would it feel for women who just had straight hair, no matter what mm-hmm. color, right? Like how would it feel for those girls to go to work knowing that their hair would be judged because of the fact it has nothing. A lot of people say, well, but it is curly hair. You know, I've heard this, I've heard this, um, uh, I've heard people uh, say this in conversations. It is curly hair. Curly hair is harder. No, it's the experience that the hairstylist has had. Mm-hmm. Okay, if if you get a hairstylist who only works with curly hair to work with a girl with straight hair, and then tells the client it's her hair, it's that's the problem. I can't deal with it. It, it just wouldn't be the norm yeah. and I think that's what people need to understand like people need to understand just because we're having these experiences doesn't mean that our hair is harder no to absolutely with. not our hair is just it yeah. shouldn't be it just means that yeah and it just means that the hairstylists don't have the necessary experience because for all this time and I mean look at look at the industry look at the past 20 years of the industry and you'll see why hairstylists are having these fits that's so profound really because it's the hairstylists are the ones that are saying um these rude things to you or making you feel this way but that is in itself is a trickle down from the way the clients are booking on a regular which is a trickle down from what society wants to see in their magazines and commercials so it from what brands what bra- want to communicate absolutely and so it's a much bigger picture than just absolutely. in in the in the hair chair and you're absolutely right it should not the type of hair shouldn't matter I mean when I first got into this business it was like big 80s like big <laughs> curly 80s hair right and I mean like glam curls I don't mean and my hair hair it won't hold a curl very well and not all day so I would get calls I didn't have to reach out to them they would reach out to me asking me if I could bring extensions with me which was totally fine and then the hairstylist would be like all right get my chair and then 10 gallons of product would go into my hair because they know exactly (laughs) what to do to make my hair do what was needed for the shoot that is not how my hair normally is it's not big and full and curly glam 80s you know bleed from the 80s look yeah it's just like an interesting conversation to to have because I feel like a lot of um women who have dealt with that who feel like what is the reason that that I'm being constantly asked to straighten my hair let's let's be real about it like what's the reason I am constantly being asked to straighten my hair because our 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 generations and and the generations before us, society, marketing, all of that has made it, has made it 
it a thing that if you have straight hair, you look pulled together. You just look professional. Whereas if you have curly hair that's just wild and standing out, it's not. And so that's a bias in itself, right? right? Okay, so now how do we change this? How do we, how do we go about it? I think it has a lot to do with brands. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that if you are a brand and if you cannot hire a person of color for your brand, for a campaign or whatever, because you feel like your customer is not going to like it or buy more or... Uh, interact on your social or identify with those identify images. with yeah mm-hmm. yeah if you feel like that's why you can't work with black people or people of color there's something wrong with your brand message there's something inherently wrong in how you do business and there's something very very wrong with how you're communicating that to your customer it has nothing to do with what the customer actually wants or needs. A customer usually wants what you put out if you do your marketing mm-hmm. right. That's just the bottom line. And millions of brands have showed us that even if I just if, if I just talk about a brand like which is gonna be a lot of people are gonna be like, well that's you know everybody wears that brand. Nike. Nike as a brand. Everybody, old, young, white, black, non-black, like, it doesn't matter. Everybody wears Nikes. Mm-hmm. Everybody, right? There's no age group. There's no ethnicity thing going on. Everybody wears Nike. They're doing something right. I mean, look at their, look at their profit. Look at their market share. There's no one in America who doesn't know Nike, there's no, nobody actually in the world who doesn't know the brand Nike, I, I, I believe. And I think it's important to just remember that if you want to make a difference in this world, look at who you, what you're putting out there. Look at what is the message that you're giving your followers as a brand or an influencer or um, a model. What is the message that you're actually giving those people? Because we would like to live, I mean, I don't know about everybody else but (laughs) Melissa and I we would like to live in a world where we could get just like a little bit more fairness like it's it has nothing to do with life is never going to be fair basic human decency and and rights it's it's not complicated it's really not (laughs) by this time I would have thought we've already lived in this world but we don't unfortunately we would like to live in a world where People don't get treated unfairly because of what their hair looks like, because of what their skin looks like. This is not about, um, I'm going to need all these white people to give up their seats so that I have a seat. Like, this is not that. It's about fairness, and it's about creating opportunity for those people who don't have opportunity because of how they look, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay? And also, when you're communicating with someone who doesn't believe that there is an injustice going on and they have a very different belief system and all of that just remember that it's not about starting a fight it's not about having a 
a tear you down conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. It's about how do you bridge that gap? How do you bridge that gap and let let it be understood that this is human humanitarian cause and we are not here to fight or make or or escalate it. We're here to de-escalate what's happening. Those are those are the reasons. I mean, those those belief systems and all of that are the reasons why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Let's try and make a difference by having a conversation with them that can maybe get them to see what's really going yeah. on. Yeah, to, to bring in um, the goal, the hope in these conversations is to bring that peaceful unity between two human beings. And, um, you know, I I feel like empathy is so important and goes both ways, all directions. I mean, sometimes the people that are the hardest to love and understand are the people that need the most love and understanding, who need that compassion and that conversation. And for someone to come from a place of saying, I want to understand what you're saying and I want you to understand what I'm saying because we're both yeah. humans and I, my, you know, my goal is to make this world a better place for everyone. We want a message to be very clear here. Black Lives Matter and we're here to amplify those voices. If you want to have a conversation with us and if you're a person of color or black, even if you're a white person and you want to have a conversation with us about this we are here to talk about it and we really hope that we brought you some insight on this episode we hope you enjoyed the show thank you so much for tuning in don't forget to follow us on instagram our tagline is at model light podcast that's at model l-i-t-e podcast if you have questions and would like to be part of the show at any point in time you can always email us at info at model-light.com